We may have had no races for two weeks, but the driver market dominoes have been falling and we will fill you in all the gossip whilst also whetting your appetite for this weekend's running. Welcome back to the Grid Talk podcast. This is episode 232, where we will be previewing this year's Singapore Grand Prix. I'm your host, Tom Horrocks, and I'm joined today by Philip Matthew from the Grip Strip podcast. Hello. Sophia Richmond from Everything F1. Hi. And Grid Talk co-host, Tom Downey. Hello. And if you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you could leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll shower out everyone who leaves us a comment on the next show. If you leave us a review, you will automatically be entered into our monthly prize draw to win some fabulous Grid Talk themed merchandise. And if you haven't done so already, why not subscribe to us on YouTube and click the bell to be notified of whenever we go live. We've got well over 700 subscribers now and loads of video content, including articles and shorts for you to get your teeth into as well. Give us a thumbs up, share and comment because we love hearing from you. And any questions you ask us during our live stream, we'll attempt to answer in our post show. However, unfortunately today, we are not live we are not live streaming but rest assured we will be for the remainder of the race weekend so let's get straight into the uh, into the review then i'm going to start with you sophia if that's okay we're going to go to red bull they can tie up the the drivers championship this weekend with verstappen only needing 48 points in total for the remainder of the season and that's if leclerc wins every race will it happen this weekend and if it doesn't is how is verstappen going to going to approach this race and future races I feel like he's just, he's still going to take it race by race. Like he said in interviews a few times that he's just not really thinking about like the end goal right now. He's taking it race by race. And I mean, it'll be interesting to see if it does end. I think it might then become a little bit boring for the rest of the season if we already know the winner dating back like 2019, how that happened in 2020. But it'll be interesting. I think it could be possible. I'm probably about 60, 65% sure it could happen given how Ferrari has been over the last couple of races and how sometimes the standings have not been favorable, especially to Charles as well. Yeah, I'm going to go to you as well. So I'm just uh, still staying on Red Bull. Do you think that if uh, if this does happen this week and that's going to release Perez to be a bit more free or is, does he just not have the not have the ability for that in his arsenal? It's a weird one with Perez because if you look at the start of the season and sort of like up to and obviously including Monaco, Perez was arguably the better driver at Red Bull. But I don't, I don't know what's changed with like the car's philosophy this year, or if, or, or you know if he's changing mentality with Max or what. But he is sort of come, he's really, really just become something else this season, as we've seen evidenced by his sort of like you know his wins from further back in the field over the last few races. So I think Red Bull probably will maybe give or sort of. I wouldn't even say they'll give him sort of free reign. I think they'll likely give him less restrictions, if you like. I think that's probably the best I could put it. If if he was a COVID lockdown, he'd probably be moving to tier two, whereas at the minute he's in full tier four. There we are. That's that's my analogy for for the, for this show. You know, it wouldn't be full Abu Dhabi. You know, saying back him up, back him up, all the rest of it. But it would not that they need to do that with any driver this year, to be honest. I think Perez would be allowed to overtake and I think it'd be good for his morale and the team's morale if they you know if he does get another win or two because I don't want to see Perez become Bottas 2.0 and the way this season's going I fear that that may begin to happen especially after Perez is so good in the season. Yeah, he certainly did start very well, but as the car just seemed to come to Verstappen, and uh, and he's uh, 
he's been nothing more than a bit part player really ever since and the other person in the title fight has become a bit of a bit part player in recent in recent races phil and uh, but ferrari in italy they didn't really make any mistakes but they're just fundamentally slower have they thrown in the towel or, or can we see them taking the fight to red bull this weekend i don't think they've thrown in the towel i i just think that they throw in the towel on sundays that's really fundamentally the issue uh, there, I mean, Tom and uh, Tom D and I and and Carl talked about it on our uncensored show that will be coming out early next week about how Ferrari is being Ferrari. I mean, I think Tom said it, Carl said it, I think we all said it, and they've had the faster car in qualifying on one lap pace, and at Singapore that can really make a huge difference. Especially, you can see Hamilton's. Q3 run from a few years ago and how that basically ended the title fight because he was not supposed to do anything that weekend. He puts a lap like a one of the greatest laps of his career and one of the greatest laps in Formula One qualifying history together. And then that was it. If Ferrari can actually put a weekend together and complete it, they have shown that they can actually win. Now, Leclerc, who knows, he's just as liable to qualify in pole and Bennett on lap one as he is to go and win. Uh, Carlos Sainz has been a lot stronger recently and more steady. I think his Italian Grand Prix performance kind of proved that. I think if he was given the opportunity instead of with the power unit penalties, he might have had you know, a feigned chance to win, very slight. But the notion is Ferrari's in a position right now, their fight is with Mercedes to stay in second in the constructors. Yes, they're battling for second in the drivers, both of them, but you need to actually finish and you actually have to finish well, not screw yourself up, not make mistakes in the car, not make mistakes on the pit wall, not make mistakes on the, in the pits itself. And that's something that Ferrari has um, been liable to do for most of the year, throwing away essentially the 1A or no worse than second fastest car on the grid, the best car that they've had in many years. Um, So, I I, I mean, we will see what happens. I think Leclerc is energized. They have this race and they have Suzuka back-to-back. They want to actually make it look good. This is really the battle that exists now. We already know... Max has won the world championship, but who's going to finish second in the world championship? Who's going to finish second in the constructors? And if Charles Leclerc wants to leave the season on a high note, I think he, in his own mind, believes he has to finish second in the world championship. Yeah, that Ferrari have definitely designed a championship car, but they haven't really been performing as champions all season. Been a bit of a bit of a common trend. But uh, moving on to the current champions, for now at least, anyway, Sophia, uh, thirty-five points off Ferrari, but still in a fun- fundamentally slower package. Do you think the specifics of this circuit could suit the Silver Arrows over the Ferraris this weekend? It's definitely hard to say because given how it's been previously, it's been Ferrari dominated. I think with Mercedes. It will, I think, more so go to how George and Hamilton will be. If we look at going back to how Miami was with the straights, George was doing quite well, even with the porpoising issue. And I think it might be good for maybe one, maybe hopefully both of the drivers. I'm not expecting too much. I mean, I don't think there's going to be any kind of new upgrades coming into Singapore. But given as well, we have not been in Singapore since 2019, and at that time, George was in a Williams. I mean, obviously, it was the same as last year. I think skill might come into play. 
I think it's more suited maybe more to Hamilton, but I do think because of how well George has been doing so well this season, I think he will also give a run for the money. I will see probably maybe both drivers being in the top 10, hopefully in the points, maybe top six even as well. I'm so looking forward to going back to Singapore. It's not always the greatest race, but it's just so many great, great images from from past races. Qualifying, phenomenal, and just that iconic opening section we we saw where it was uh, Raikkonen and uh, Verstappen and and Vettel all coming into each other, taking out the whole front three rows, and it's just uh, just just a great place to go. And I'm really glad that we're going back there. But uh, but Alpine are currently sitting fourth in the constructors' championship uh, ahead of McLaren. They still look like they've got the edge over McLaren, Tom. But with their more kind of erratic driver situation, will that prove costly or can, can they hold it together and, and see this fourth place through? I think in terms of the car's pace, they will see it through. He says, he sounds really convinced. I sound really convinced. And I, if, if you look at the pace of the Alpine, and um, certainly for one lap and then you know, race pace as well, provided they get on the right tyres, um, which has been... A good, which has been a, you know, a good topic for all teams this year. And not going not gonna to sort of dive into that too much. Yeah, Alpine, I, I, th- I think they'll hold ahead of McLaren. I think they've got probably enough of a sort of advantage over them. Granted, it's not, yeah, you know, you know, it's not like leaps and bounds ahead. But um, yeah, they're, uh, they're, their car is quick enough, and Ocon is doing you know more than enough of a job more than enough of a job on his own I'd say Alonso will still be Alonso you know he'll still be in good drives for the rest of it I don't think he'll spite the team you, you know he could be 17 and still come back to team and stuff let's be fair um you know, he's been back there enough times I think that the main weak link in the McLaren Alpine fight is Danny Rick not going to go in on him because done it enough times but he's just yeah he's just not you know I I just don't think that he's gonna able to sort of keep up enough points certainly not in Singapore because you know, Singapore is very similar to Monaco and you got lapped by Lando in Monaco so you know good mate you know I, I don't you know I just I just yeah I, I think I think Alpine are going to hold the advantage of McLaren I don't see that changing yeah, who do you think is going to be the, uh, the the second driver there just your opinion really well uh, at Alpine yeah oh, good life. I, you know, I don't know anyone else want to chime in on that one Gasly uh, yeah, I would say Gasly probably. I, I, well, I, I would say Gasly, but he and Ocon hate each other. So apparently uh, they said that they're, they're fine, but well, it could have been a, it could be a media PR stunt. Oh, that, but, yeah, but, yeah, that's hundred well, percent media PR. They're also they're also well. I'm not going to go there because we'll offend us a whole entire country if I say what I was about to say. <laughs> but the fact is, yeah, um, I guess. yeah <laughs> but but the, the but with that team. They're trying to take that step forward. You want somebody who is younger, has been through the ringer, instead of Jack Doohan, who is very raw. Um, I mean, that's going to go and cancel my point on Williams here in a little bit, but and even Haas for that matter. But they're not as good of a team as Alpine. They want to have the French, you know, they want all the thing. I think Gasly for a couple of years has been that guy that they've been looking for and they kept on canceling it with El Plan. Then he decided he wanted to get paid by Lawrence Stroll in blood money. So God bless him. So, and then, so now he gets to go and drive in the back with, um, with Lance. So in those Aston Martins. So when it comes to Gasly, at least getting out of the Red Bull, Red Bull cluster that it is outside of Max Verstappen, I think he would immediately become 
better um, just in general. And I think it might we might see a little bit even more out of him, kind of similar to what he was doing prior to this year when they made a bad car. But um, I think he'd be freer, um, and that might make him even a better driver. I can't see, though, AlphaTauri having a rookie or somebody like one of the F2 drivers. No offense to them because they are doing quite well, but I can't see a Yuki and an F2 driver pairing for AlphaTauri because that's going to be costly <laughs> in the nicest way possible. So I think still try to keep Gasly as much as possible and maybe with Alpine kind of rectify, maybe sorting for other things. But I can't see a rookie coming into AlphaTauri next season, though. Yeah, I think uh, the situation there is that Red Bull would would need to have a a, a viable replacement, and the talk is that Nick De Vries may well be uh, in in line for that seat. I personally can't see that, but you never know. Stranger things have happened, and but yeah, moving on to McLaren, then I'll I'll, I'll throw this one to you to you, Phil. Ricardo did show signs of improvement at the Italian Grand Prix, but still through fate or or whatever, he still ended up drawing a blank. Now that his fate is sealed, are we going to see an improvement and a two-pronged attack on Alpine, or is it just a losing battle? I mean, for him, it's a losing battle. The talk now is, oh, are you going to take a year away? Are you going to go and take a lesser seat? Are you going to go and drive for, you know, Pitbull and and Justin Marks in Project 91? Is he going to drive for AJ Foyt in an IndyCar instead of Gotifi? I mean, how many different things are they going to ask him? The reality of the world is he has been outmatched. And I I, I read it somewhere, one of these websites. It's like, or one of the, some former Formula One driver. It's like, he hasn't forgotten how to drive a race car. It's just, he has not fundamentally been able to figure out this, the McLaren and work within this team. You know, he worked just fine with the Endstone team and they built something where at the second year he got the team principal to put a tattoo on his derriere or wherever he put it. Now, now we're, now he can't even get out of Q1. And in turn, it's a big part of why they're not going to finish uh, fourth in constructors. I would like to see it. I'm, I'm a fan of his and I, I, I find it disappointing how his, this has gone down, like how his career's kind of like cratered in a sense. Um, he has pace. I would think that if any, if I was a WEC or any of these teams that have a LMDH or what do you call a GTP car, I would be calling him and saying, hey, you want to go and get on a factory deal and then we'll kind of let you dovetail it with Formula One or whatever else you want to do. Let's do it. You know, I think he's very viable and his personality is viable. In regards to this weekend, I think it's all about Lando trying to make the most out of it. The two against one battle that has been for most of the year, try to get into Q3 with this car. It's been on and off this year. It depends on the circuit for them. But I think he can get into Q3. I think Daniel Ricardo's goal is to get out of Q1, flirt with Q3, and then try to grind out a point or two. Uh, on Sunday because there's plenty of carnage there's plenty of you know safety cars and and things that can happen at Singapore but it it really will be about Lando what he wants to do and what he can do with that car Um, FP2 will uh, tell the story really about where they stand I think FP2 and FP3 for what McLaren's chances are relative to uh, the Alpine 
Yeah, it's weird how the narrative seems to have changed from how well is Lando doing to how bad Ricardo is doing, and that kind of tells its own story. There's, there's no smoke without fire, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm a fan of Ricardo. I want him to do well, but something just doesn't work at McLaren. I hope he can recapture that. I'd love that to be at Alpine, but I, I can't see that happening either. And it doesn't look like it will be at Alfa Romeo either. The next team we're going to be talking about, as they seem to be floundering a little bit at the moment, Sophia. I mean, it was uh, points last time out for Joe, which did end a no points run since Canada for both drivers but um, will we see them pushing on in the final six races or have they switched development off now? I think they're still going to push but they're not going to push as hard because they've kind of dipped off given that they've had so many DNFs by the engine. I think they're going to push as much as possible but they're not going to over push it because they're not fighting for anything. Like They know they're not going to be the bottom team. They know they're not going to win. They're just going to be mid and <clears throat> Given how Alpha has been this season, they are doing quite well given last season and previous seasons and such. So I think just being steady in six, maybe I, I don't see them coming fifth, but just staying in the middle, I think is quite good. They do have an announcement coming up on the 27. I think I, I think I saw it on <clears throat> Instagram for it. And I think it is Joe's contract resigning. They would be stupid not to get rid of him because I've said this on multiple podcasts with you guys. Like he is probably one of the better drivers, like in his rookie year that we've had for a while. He is deserving of the seat. If it wasn't for his three DNFs that he had, he would have had a lot more points for Alpha Mayor because every time he's DNF'd, he was in points running. He's becoming such a good driver and he's actually one of my favorite drivers this season. I'm hoping that that stays. Obviously, we know Baltas is staying, signed a multi year. But yeah, I think, I don't know, we can expect double points <laughs> next weekend, but I think maybe one of them or like both of them like in 11th and 12th, I think it's probably like the good spot for Alpha for the rest of the season is to finish kind of fighting maybe with the bottom points just outside of it. Yeah, I think you're probably right with that announcement about his his contract. But uh, that is where our opinions on Joe do differ from, from that point on. That's where my opinion ends. <laughs> That's the same as yours. But uh, we won't get into that now. I have a very, very different opinion of that. But uh, yeah, I think enough to stay ahead of Haas. They're not going to catch McLaren. But that's uh, enough to say that Haas is kind of all they really need now. But Haas, no points in the last five races for them. And the early shine has definitely gone from their season, Tom. And rumours that they've turned off their development do appear to be true. Can they hold on to seventh, uh, given that they're only one point clear of Alpha? Uh, I'd say so, yeah. You know, I, I think it will be mainly, mainly due to K-Mag. You know, I, I think Mick Schumacher stays unnumbered, let's be fair. I don't really think he's done enough. Given they had such a promising start to the season, you know, with that P5 in Bahrain, with you know, we came back and then, you know, granted they've not had much luck with reliability, the same as Alfa Romeo, you know, because ever since that Ferrari upgrade sort of circuit Barcelona time came in, the engines just started chewing themselves left, right and centre, you know, whether it was a ICU or, a, or an MGUH, MGUK, hydraulics, whatever. They just kept dying. And then obviously, obviously... um Signs his engine turned into barbecue in Austria. Even that aside, you know, there, there were enough opportunities where Haas could have could have got more points. You know, they were in good positions, so they're using qualifying. It's like Canada. Let's not forget they locked up the third row or the fourth row. Sorry, they really were best of the rest in Canada, and they were there on merit as well. You know, not because of a load of engine penalties or what have you. The only engine penalty that race was Leclerc, ironically. They came into this season 
looking so promising, you know, because after last year where they said they weren't going to develop the car at all, and then it's not really worked out this season. It has a bit because obviously they've got points, you know, they've had some good quality results, some good race results, and they're not languishing at the very bottom of the table. You know, that's reserved for Williams still. And Aston Martin that. But they had the potential to do a lot more. And I think if they'd have had someone in that second seat who could perhaps get some better results, they would or they, they could have been higher up higher up the constructors by now. Because there were I'd say offhand there were three opportunities where Mick should have got points and just you know, either fell out the points or had a sort of had a, I'm not counting retirements because you know, mechanical, excuse me, mechanical retirements because that's not fair. It's that's outside of his control. But you know, there, there were plenty of opportunities where he could have finished in the points, even if it was a point or two points. You know, it was a uh, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, has I think they'll drop him. Uh, ahead of next season. I don't know who will go in that seat. Please don't let it be Hockenberg. Why do people fantasise about him? He's really not that good. There we are. There's another one. Get the pitch shorts ready, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, yeah, I think they'll hold on to where they are. They'll probably have a good battle with Alpha to the end of the season. But both teams, you know, it's funny that both the Ferrari's customer teams have almost sort of mirrored each other where they started quite well, had sort of quite promising starts, and both sort of fallen into relative nothingness when McLaren and Mercedes both sort of had fairly sort of shoddy starts to the season and have actually sort of got better as the season's gone on. Yeah, and you could say the same about the other two customer teams as well, potentially as well, with Aston Martin and Williams. Not so much Williams to a, as much a degree, but certainly Aston Martin have improved from their dire start. But we'll get on to them later. Next up, Phil, it's going to be the, the Alpha Tori team. For me, the most anonymous car on the grid. They, uh, they've they replaced Alfa Romeo from last season as, as the team that you just kind of forget about. To the point when I was doing my notes for this podcast here, I missed them out completely. Uh, so it's just one point behind behind Haas but Sonoda hasn't scored since the Spanish Grand Prix and uh, with him signed up for another year and what we all think is going to happen to Gasly is it important for Sonoda to get on top of this year's car and what can you see them doing this weekend? I don't see them doing a whole heck of a lot I also don't see Yuki you know summoning his um, good Takuma Sato side and really putting together a weekend. Uh, I see more bad Takuma Sato, which I think he's, I mean, he's essentially Takuma Sato Jr. But, you know, he's going to probably wreck at some point during practice, and then he'll crash in the race and cause a safety car. That's not a bold prediction. I just assume it. I, the car has been terrible. I mean, it, it's considering what the, they've done in recent years and what Gasly's been able to do, just the absolute whiff by this team, um, you know, is is really surprising to me. And they have the same power unit as the car that wins every damn race. I mean, granted, they don't have, you know, what's-his-face driving it, but the fact is there should be some, you know, mirror. Like, I, I don't understand how they are that far off and that they're that irrelevant. And I find that to be quite... It's. I would be disturbed by that. I'd be. I'd. I'm also find that very interesting and convenient, 
But then that's kind of how I always find a lot of things that Red Bull do. I think Gasly flirts with the points as well, gets in a Q2. It's going to be a typical Yuki kind of weekend. I think he's going to try to save his best for home the following week. I think he'll have a better weekend racing at home for the first time. I think he never has raced the, the Japanese Grand Prix. So that will be good for him. I think he'll um, be very happy about that, but not this weekend. Yeah, it's going to be bonkers, the Japanese Grand Prix. They've not had anything to cheer about realistically for a while. And such a shame that um, that Honda aren't going to be officially represented there either. But uh, but that's for a later podcast as we're, we'll be getting onto that in uh, very soon, I'm sure. So, Sophia, then we're um, we're next talking about Aston Martin reeling in AlphaTauri and, and Haas for that matter and, and just nine points off seventh now. Is that a realistic target for them? And would you consider that a success after their bullish chat way back in February when, when we thought they were going to be good? Oh, man, just remembering about like Lance talking about like, oh, we've had, t- we have two cars, like we're going to do so well. I mean, <clears throat> recently Lance is getting points. He's getting single points in some of these races, like slowly creeping up to help it. I think this is going to be like another battle, how we have the top battle. This is going to be the second battle of it. I can potentially see it getting close to Haas. I don't see it passing Haas. I see maybe passing Alpha Tori. Like it all depends because these lower teams are so unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen with them. I think though, and it pains me to say, I think Vettel's just dropped off completely now that he's announced that he's retired. You've seen it in qualifying how narrowly missing getting out of q1 it's just q3 whichever there's just no drive there's no motivation into it and i it pains to see and that's not what they need when they need to start getting some more points and then obviously you have lines every once in a while gets random single points it might be a far shot i can maybe see them getting close to Haas and alfatori but like i am not entirely sure they will go seventh maybe eighth if we're lucky if um Alvatore still has bad moments with Yuki going spinning or Gasly a turn one incident because that's been consistent most of the season, minus two races, I think, but we've not heard Gasly's name in contact with another driver at turn one. I think as well, they're going to get allow, I think rumor has it that Felipe Drogovic might be getting a free practice as well at some point now that he's announced to be part of the Asimaran Driver Academy, which it's a brand new instance as well. It's going to be interesting to see, but it's so unpredictable, these lower teams now. But I'm hopefully thinking, given that it's Singapore, though, we've not raced in a while. Vettel won, obviously, in a different car, but he did win <laughs> last time we raced. Can we see him at points? I think that'll probably be the best thing to ever see, given it is obviously his last time racing in Singapore in this good memories of Singapore to an extent sometimes for Vettel, some highs and lows, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's really difficult to say. I'm hoping points. That's, I think, best decision. That's my bold prediction is Aston and Vettel points <laughs> for next weekend. We'll, we'll get onto that in a little bit, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that was Vettel's last victory as well, uh, the Singapore Grand Prix in 2019. And it just now looking back, it feels weird even thinking about Sebastian Vettel as a race winner. It just seems so long since he's been in that situation where he can like, just grind out a race result and, and win a race. I mean, without you know, was it the um, 
Uh, what was it was one of the uh, 2020 races that we didn't race that again. Maybe um, where he, he looked like he was going to win, he got disqualified. I can't remember which one it was. Or if was it was hungry. Ferrari, it was like, no, it was hungry. It, it was definitely hungry, wasn't, wasn't it? 2020. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was hungry. Uh, apart from that one there, when when he uh, when he got disqualified post race, I was convinced he was going to win that race, but. Uh... But no, but um, someone who definitely isn't going to win the race is, is going to be in the in the blue cars at the back then, Tom. No Latifi from uh, from the end of this year and potentially not even any Albon this weekend. Who's going to be in the car and what are we expected to see from them this uh, this weekend? Is this this departure of the pay driver strategy of theirs, is that a statement of intent as well for, for next year, given that it's a, pretty much a given they're going to be finishing last this year? Are you talking about who's going to be in the car this weekend or next year or both? Uh, both. Well, uh, yeah, let's, let's just go there for the whole lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, this weekend, I uh, I think Albon should take the week off still. And I think De Vries should be in the car. I get that Albon will want to be in the car because he's a racing driver and it's what he wants to do. However, he has just had a pretty major operation and he ended up in ICU for a day or two. So it's one thing to recover where you can go home and put your feet up and... You know, watch um, you know, watch Breaking Bad on Netflix or something. It's another thing to fly halfway across the world into completely different time zones in one of these in one of the most humid countries on the planet, and jump in an F one car to be buckled in. You know, literally strapped to the car and sweating out in excess of four kilos. So uh, I get he wants to race, but I really feel like he should just focus on himself, make sure that he is better, make sure that he's, you know, that he's working on his recovery. It's not like he is like fighting for like a certain position in the championship or something with the best one in the world, you know. Everything is largely decided this season, to, you know, give or take a couple of positions here or there. So he should rest up, recover, and then come back swinging in Japan. It's also a good opportunity for Williams to give De Vries, you know, a, another shot effectively because I'm not taking anything away from what he did in Monza, but it's one thing to make a debut in Monza where you just slap on the skinniest wings you have. You you just go flat out balls to the wall. And it's a circuit which he's raced at in GP3, GP2, F2, whatever it was called when he was in it. And then I know the step out to F1 is different, but it's a circuit that he knows and everybody knows Monza. It's another thing to race at Singapore. The conditions are completely different. The track is completely different. There's a lot more setup work that's going to be needed to be done because, granted, it will be a very high downfall setup, but you've still got to think about that long run down from, what, turn three to four, two to three, but basically the first sort of DRS zone after you cross the start-finish line. You know, so you've got to think about that. And then it's a very demanding environment in Singapore. You, you know, I mentioned the humidity is insane there. The temperature, especially during the free practice during the day and, and all the rest of it. I think if he can get a good result there, and a good result there I think will be him getting out of Q1 because that's going to be a much more demanding circuit, both physically and mentally. That's who I think and what, and also what I think Williams should do this weekend. With regards to who will be in the car for next year, and obviously Albers on a multi-year deal, great decision, no-brainer. If De Vries doesn't go to Alpha Tauri, he'll be in the Williams. If De Vries does go to Alpha Tauri, Logan Sargent, maybe. Yeah. He just has to finish top five, too, so yeah. hopefully they do that. It, especially as... 
obviously Doralton are American backs. They, they're probably going to want to see an American driver in in that car. And there's a, you know there's got a lot of talent in F2, and F1 is becoming younger and younger these days. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him in there. I also think that it is. I wouldn't say it's 100% signalling the end of the pay driver era for Williams, because. F1 has always survived on pay drivers and, you know, to, to a point it is needed and some of them are quite good. Perez as a pay driver, let's not forget. You know, look at the sponsorship he brings. You know, you know, Stroll obviously with his dad, but, you know, I know I go in and Stroll a lot, but he has had some decent results. He's still awful, but he has had some decent results, but he's still awful. Just want to make sure that people understand me. I'd like to see Logan Sargent in there, but it's just, I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah, lot, lot to unpack there, but uh, I think... There is there is a difference for me between a pay driver and a driver that brings backing. There's uh, there's someone who is there purely because they have money, and then there's someone there who is backed because they have talent. And I don't think it will ever get the backs because they have talent, but the the pure you know buy the best equipment, get in the best car, p- plow through the junior series, and then get into the uh, get into the uh, get into F1 because you know because you have a lot of money. I think those days may potentially be uh, be coming to an end. I'm hoping so anyway. So. Um, but uh, yeah, so that that's it for the teams. I'd love to hear some predictions from from you guys now. Then, so I'll start with you, Phil. Who have you got for for pole position and race win for this weekend? Uh, pole position, I'll pick uh, Charles Leclerc and first uh, stop in wins because that's what happens anyway. So, um, and I'm just gonna pick him. I I've already done that for my show, um, which will get to later but that's what i'm going to pick we don't even bother to pick the winner anymore we just go to second and third so um (laughs) get closer to that eventual world championship but you'll uh if he doesn't lock it up on sunday or next or at the at singapore he will at uh at the sing at suzuka which would be interesting which is interesting with all the history there with world championships being locked up there so max Verstappen wins Charlotte Claire for the poll. Okay, and, and Sophia? I think it's going to be a double max. I think max for poll and max for P1. And and Tom, your prediction? Uh, max. Both? Yeah, both, yeah. Double super max. Yeah, I, I, I'm not entirely sure what I, what I think for mine. I've, I think that something is going to happen. I think it's going to be a non-standard race and, and it's going to be a bit open and some, something weird's going to happen. I'd love to say like a Hamilton win or something like that, but I, I think the Mercedes will be better there, but I'm not convinced it's going to be, I'm not convinced it's going to be that. Maybe it'll be something crazy like a Carlos Sainz win or even a Sergio Perez win. I, I, I don't know on that front. Phil, then, so a bold prediction from you. you you've already said that Sonoda crashing is, is a given. So what would be your bold prediction? Bold prediction. Uh, we've been. Oh, wow, this is going to be one. I'll say Joe makes Q three and actually scores a point after getting his um, or what is likely going to be an extension for another year at Sauber. Um, he'll um, go and do well there. Yeah, so it all sounds good, Sophia. Your bold prediction. Oh, I think I've said it already. I think I said Vettel top yes. ten. Yes, you did. Um, yeah. I mean, I was thinking about Haas, but nah, Vettel. I would love to see Vettel top ten. Yeah, I'd like to see him higher than that personally, but uh, I'm not With, sure. That's within the top ten, yeah, I'm going to be generous and say within. I'm not going to say what actual position. Yeah, that that'd be nice. And Tom, bold prediction. Max wins the title. 
Oh, okay. I don't think that's going to happen this weekend. I think it's just there's too much that needs to happen, and Ferrari, even Ferrari, can't have that much bad luck. So I, uh. I think. I think it's not going to happen this weekend, but I think it's not far away. It's going to happen in the next few weeks. It's going to be either the next race or the race after that. But that's not very bold at all. So that's not my bold prediction. Uh, A good country, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Bold prediction, I am going to say no Red Bulls on the podium. There we go. That's mm. that's my bold prediction. So I'm I'm doubling down with some uh with with a crazy race. So um I'll uh, I'll let you guys just plug your own uh your own content now. So so Phil, where can people find more about more from you and the Grip Strip Pod? Grip Strip Pod? <laughs> yeah. The Grip Strip Podcast, that is me. Yeah. And uh also uh Josh uh, JP Huffine. I'm at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. Um, Grip Strip Pod on Twitter. We cover all things motorsports and uh, we talk about you know anything around the world really. If it has, if it goes fast, we talk about it on the Grip Strip Podcast. You can find it anywhere uh, you take in your podcast listening. You know we'll uh, cover Singapore after and get into. Je- uh, Japanese Grand Prix after that but yeah thanks uh, to you Tom for hosting and it's great hanging out with uh, the EF1 crew Tom D after his um, stroll through luxury dealerships in Sofia after running around the world today so it was nice to see you all and um, let's uh, hope for a more interesting Grand Prix than we've had for about I don't know a few months. I'm very much looking forward to listening to your uh, your uncensored podcast, which is coming out next week. That's going to be fun. Everyone, everyone listen out for that. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, uh, a lot of hot takes there. So, Sophia, uh, where are you? Uh, where can people find you? Are you also on the Grip Strip Pod, or are you somewhere else? <laughs> oh yeah, I can hop in whenever. I'm so <laughs> sorry about that. I swear I heard my name. I think that's my cue to like go to bed after this, even though it's only like five o'clock right now. I do apologize on that, Phil. Don't worry. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I am part of Everything F1. You can catch me on uh, all social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. We have a website that we post content daily at www.everythingf1.com. We have a podcast that's filmed live Tuesday nights around 8.30 UK time and then dropped on all streaming platforms on Wednesday, we've had some great guests. We have Jack Crawford um, this week. We've had uh, Frederick Vesti last week. We have a few other drivers coming up as well um, in the near future. Excellent. And uh, and Tom, where can people find more from the Big Chungus? Oh, you had to get that in, didn't you? <laughs> God damn it. Um, yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm co-host alongside yourself and George and Ruby and Oh, I know Louis and is there anyone else? Phil occasionally. <laughs> yeah. Phil, yeah. When when uh, when we're really, really desperate. The <laughs> <laughs> don't be silly, Phil. Yeah, so yeah, uh, I'm obviously co-host alongside you at F1 Chronicle. Um to find us at F1 Chronicle.com and we are probably here there and everywhere. All your YouTube podcast no podcast platforms. What did I say YouTube? I'm tired. I'm thinking about cars, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Well, that's you're allowed to think about cars. We are on a motorsport podcast here. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, I, yeah, exactly. And I'm on the brink of buying an Audi. Who aren't informed of the one? So that's my reasoning. 
Excellent. Okay, fair enough. And if you want to hear more from me, I am at Tom Horrocks on Twitter, and uh, I'm part of the Monkey Seat podcast, which uh, we, uh, apologies for not doing a podcast after the Italian Grand Prix. Life is very, very busy right now, but we will be back after the Singapore Grand Prix. So uh, you can catch us at Monkey Seat Pod and monkeyseatpod.com if you want to uh, catch us up on there. If you want to hear more from, from Grid Talk, however, we do have a huge back catalogue of shows, and you can go back and listen to well, well over 200 episodes now. If you want to go and find out what happened in a qualifying session in 2018 then that's not, probably not 2018 that's 2019 then that is there all our race reviews go out live uh, on youtube straight after the event and the audio version does go out slightly later which is available on amazon fire spotify google podcasts Apple Music, Verbal Omni Studio and Pocket Cast, and probably a few more as well. We also do run a Patreon, so if you want to help us continue what we do and improve what we're doing, then please consider donating to us as everything goes back into the show. We never buy biscuits or anything, we buy, I promise. Uh, you can also support us by buying merchandise like this uh, lovely Grid Talk mug here, which... Uh, wonderfully modelled uh, for, the, for the video listeners. Uh, um, you can go to... Uh, I've even lost the website now, f1chronicle.com forward slash store if you want to get hold of any uh, any grid talk merchandise but we'll be back after qualifying this weekend and uh, cannot wait to see you all then goodbye <laughs>